Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast, episode number 71, how to get out of bad positions, the champion's mindset. What's up, Kieran? Hey, Adam. I sound, we might, let's just first address the elephant in the room of why I sound like a different person. It's more like a frog in your throat. <laughs> I sound like a frog. Yeah, God, hearing it now back through the headset. Adam has COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um. Well, it's actually rather relevant to, uh, I guess, what we're talking about today, which is coincidental, how to get out of bad positions. But uh, anyone wondering if you're a regular listener, why I sound so different? No, I'm not sick. <clears throat> I've already done my, my, uh, my COVID stint. I got my throat crushed incredibly hard last night. Mm. Probably, the, probably the worst I've ever had my, like the front of my throat crushed in my entire career of training jiu-jitsu and competing in jiu-jitsu i've never had it crushed as, as hard as i got it crushed last night so i'm paying the price with quite a raspy voice i sound like how i sound uh at the end of a comp day when i'm coaching yeah after yelling for so yeah. long yeah so uh, hopefully we have a comp i mean today's a tuesday we have a competition on sunday so less than a week away so hopefully yeah. my throat's better by sunday you need like because i actually lose my throat my voice quite quick at competitions. I don't know if mm. that's just me or I don't definitely, yell correctly. Yeah, definitely don't. <laughs> yeah. Like one or two fights in, I've already like gone super raspy. Uh, I think we spoke about this previously on an episode. Uh, one of our students, Adam, who's an ex military guy like yourself said there's something, uh, frog voice. Frog voice or something, yeah. yeah, the way drill sergeants are taught to be able to essentially scream without damaging their, their voice. Yeah, yeah, it's really like from the diaphragm and like I, I did a little bit of that training because I was a guard commander, so like a ceremonial position um, for, you know, a few months and I had to, to try that and I would still lose my voice. I'd get overexcited or like, you know, during training it would be fine but then when, when the day came I'd, I'd get excited and, and, and do a lot of throat yelling because it's easier, yeah. you know, for – yeah, quite untrained people. Yeah, but uh, might have to go. Yeah. I might have to go get a voice coach. Go, imagine I take singing lessons, and they're like, "Oh, what do you want to sing?" I'm like, "No, I just want to yell." I want to scream, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I want to scream. Yeah, well, but anyway, that's why that's why I sound like this. We'll, we'll push on. It, it we'll, hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll push on, and uh, today, as the title suggests, we're talking about getting out of bad positions. So very reminiscent of your experience last night trying to escape a submission. I would just like to yeah, clarify, I got out. Yeah, demonstrate right. you It did. just cost me a bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything has a price. Yeah. But I think the inspiration or the reason for today's episode wasn't your experience last no. night. It's, it's more that we've touched on this in the past in previous episodes, that getting out of a bad position is always going to be difficult. It's never easy. And it, it requires not only the knowledge on how to escape, like the practical, okay, put your hand here, do this, do that. But it also requires a bit of a mindset shift. And I think that's the direction of, of today's episode is we're going to touch on not giving you, okay, so when you're in uh, bottom mount, you need to do this, but more like, hey, let's let's realign your expectations when in bad positions. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, because I tell this to my students a lot, that in the you know, in the early days, not even only in the early days, anyone who hasn't had this sort of shift in the way they think about bad positions in jujitsu is exactly like you said, it will 
always be hard, always. So when you get beginners, you'll often teach them side control escape, mount escape, whatever it is, a triangle escape. And then they try it in a roll and it, you know, doesn't work in, in air quotes. The, the reality is that it's not going to work all the time. Like in, if I'm training with a competent blue belt, even though there's a, a huge difference in skill, it'll still be hard for me, right? Because you're in a bad position. You're starting at a negative just because you know the technique, which of course you need to know the, you know, the technical escape. Let's just stick with side control for argument's sake. You know, you know, multiple side control escapes, right? It's always going to be hard. And this sort of, oh, I tried it and I wasn't able to escape. Therefore it doesn't work. You know, sometimes beginner people or people who haven't had this shift in their mentality, they, they just instantly write off like that technique, Mm -hmm. right? Thinking, oh, well, I tried it and it didn't work. Well, man, it's not a be-all and end-all answer. You know, think about it this way. The same way that you're on the bottom and you weren't able to escape side control and you think like, oh, fuck, you know, it doesn't work. Think about the times you're on top and someone escapes your side control. And you think, man, how did they get out? Like I was in the better position. Never think side control doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't go, well, side control top doesn't work. I'll never go there. Yeah. All the times you have someone in an armbar, a fully extended armbar, and they manage to escape, right? Yeah. And you think, well, armbars don't work. No, like you start hating on yourself going like, man. Fuck, oh. fuck it, yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So if you had a, you know, a hypothetical clone of yourself and it was Adam side control on top versus Adam side control on the bottom. The Adam on the bottom should never get out, right? Like, you know, if the position itself, it's kind of like saying, all right, Kieran, like you're going to, we've got this game of, of football, this game of soccer or whatever, but you start with like the, 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 your opponent already has five goals now go win. Yep. It's like you got to score five times just to bring it back to even. Yeah. You know, and, and then, then if, if each team was comprised of clones of one another, in theory, the game should end zero five or like. That's know, right. We got Brazil team A and Brazil team B, but Brazil team A has comes into the match with three goals ahead. Yeah. Right. It's still possible for Brazil team B to win, mm. but man, it will always, always be hard. And we're not saying that if you're in a bad position in a comp and everything's equal, like your similar skill level or whatever, that you should just give up. Like that's not what it's saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah I, I definitely don't want <laughs> yeah. Adam said that it's possible for <laughs> me to know escape. All the listeners <laughs> are like, so what I got out of this is why bother? Yeah. Right? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm telling you this because I want you to embrace the challenge opposed to, you know, opposed to think, oh, well, then what's the point? You know, because no. it's proven that you can get out. Like it Absolutely. is possible. Yeah. It's been proved. It's not like, oh, this one dude did it. So it's, yeah. no, fucking lots of people do it. Yeah. Lots of people get out of bad positions. Lots yeah. of people Everyone in good positions. Everyone does it every day in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. It's like, it's constant. People in good positions make mistakes. Yep. You know, that, that even if your side control escapes aren't that good, maybe the person on top makes a mistake and you easily regard or easily roll them over, whatever. So, I, I, you know, you need to have that shift of let's assume you've got a, a 
good qualified instructor and you can execute the technique correctly. If it doesn't work that one time, it doesn't matter. Like it's okay. It's very, it goes in line with, you know, another, we could be talking about getting out of bad positions or even attacking or whatever, but another sort of mental shift that I like to, to push through to my students is I can feel an analogy coming here. Yes, channel it, (laughs) let it consume you. Um, Is that sometimes people, let's talk about guard passing, right? They'll, someone will try a hundred percent to pass their partner opponent's guard and and they fail. They don't necessarily get swept or submitted, but they just didn't get past the guard. And then you start doubting yourself. Like in the moment you start kind of, digging yourself deeper thinking, oh man, that was like, uh, that was everything. That was my best move and it didn't work. Therefore I won't be able to pass his guard. No, that's the wrong way to think about it. It is, if it, if it doesn't work, right. Or if you weren't successful, you try again, whether it's the same pass or a different pass. And the, the analogy I want to draw is it would be unrealistic for a boxer to think that 100% of his punches are going to land. So when he throws a punch that his opponent either blocks or slips, does the boxer go, oh man, that was my best, that was my best uppercut. Yep. And he dodged it. Oh man, like I, I can't, I'll never, I, hit him, I, I'm, yeah. I'll never hit this guy. No. Right. Yeah. And so um, it's a hundred percent. Anyone listening who has trained for, you know, uh, more than six months or a year or something. I'm sure you've had this thought when it comes to a pass or a sweep or something where, you know, your best move didn't work. And then you start thinking like, Oh, I can't sweep him. Yeah. This doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Or this doesn't work against this guy or no, it does. Right. You know, and it's the same with grip fighting, you know, it's unrealistic to think you're going to get a hundred percent of the grips you want. People break grips. They swat your hands away. Right. Like, so you keep going and it's the same with, escaping bad positions, right? It's just on top of that, you need to also be on board with the the added challenge that you're starting five goals down or whatever, yeah. you know, you're starting at a disadvantage. So not only are you starting at a disadvantage, but it is, it is also, uh, it is also more difficult than yeah, passing or whatever. And if that first side control escape doesn't work or whatever, man, like doesn't mean that escape won't work again or, it, it, you know, it, on its second attempt or it also doesn't mean that you can't escape this person's side control, right? They shut it down that once, maybe they don't the second time or the third time. Exactly. So you need to get on board. With, I say that a lot, I yeah, feel. Get on like, board. <laughs> who was it? One of, was it my students or someone visiting the gym? Someone, you know, only a few weeks ago said that they were listening to – an episode, and I think it was maybe the one not that long ago, uh, titled something along the lines of "I got my blue belt now." What? And, and they said to me, oh, "I listened to that episode, and so uh, essentially, just stop being a pussy, right?" Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, um, "Yeah, you know." They sort of took it like, yeah. "Oh, this is a bit this." That episode was a bit disheartening. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I'm just trying to. I don't want it. Come across reality check, bro. Yeah, you need a, a dose of, of a reality. reality check. Yeah, but, you know that's that's a bit of a different subject. We're talking about you know your progression in jujitsu, but yeah, like I've just come across so many students, more white belts, right? That that really just think that oh, I know the move, so it should work. Mm. Like when you're talking about getting out of bad positions, mm. you know, or 
like sometimes people will will ask, well, how do I get out of an armbar? Okay, there's lots of armbar escapes, but <laughs> man, like it's a very hard spot to get out of. You are you're already up against the ropes, man. You know, it's like, man, oh, yeah. how do, I don't know whatever sport you want to bring an analogy to, like fucking, you know. Rugby, rugby league, you know, a very popular sport in Australia. Like, oh man, how do I score a try when they're, you know, all the way up in our end zone or whatever it's called in rugby league, <laughs> right? Not end zone, uh, try line, try line yeah. right? Like, you know, oh, they're at our 10 meter line. How do I score a try? Well, I mean, first you it, get the ball. It, yeah, <laughs> intercept the ball and run 90 meters. Yeah, like, yeah, but like, it's not incredibly <laughs> rare and difficult. Right. Yeah, I, to- I totally get what you mean. And it's, it's like, when people say, oh, how do I escape a deep rear naked choke? Bro, you're probably not. <laughs> like don't get there in the first place. Like as bad as that sounds, like, you know, but if you are in that position, it's going to be fucking hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to like be uncomfortable. It's going to require like a lot of energy outputs. You know, you need to focus on multiple things at the same time. But yeah, it, it, it is difficult. And just to your analogy, when you were saying that if like as an example, if you're trying to pass someone's guard and you go 100%, you go like 100% blast at the start of a match or whatever, like say you're competing, they pull guard, you 100% blast them, they shut down everything. If you're then thinking, fuck, like I couldn't pass, that I, I'm never gonna be able to pass this guard. This is, that was 100% of everything I had. Maybe they're thinking, holy shit, if I get one of those again, I'm fucked. Exactly, you know what I mean? Right? You and don't know what they're thinking. And I've been in that position as well where someone's attempted to pass or someone's attempted to sweep me or whatever. And, uh, you know, I successfully defend it. And then I've thought to myself, holy fuck, man, I only just saved face then, you know? Yep, and hundred percent. And yeah, like, is that, is my opponent then thinking, oh man, that was everything, you know, I'm not going to pass. Or are they thinking, all right, round two, bitch. Yeah, got him. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, so, it's the same when escaping though. It's the exact same. So say you, you blast your escape. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe they shut it down. But the person trying to hold you down is a holy fuck. This person is getting out. I'm I'm struggling here. I, yeah. I don't think I can hold them. Yeah. That, yeah. That's happened to me before. I've been like trying to pin someone down in side control. And yeah, I've stopped their, their first few attempts. But I mean, it's only a matter of time. You know what I mean? So yeah. they don't know that. Yeah. So that, that sort of mental shift, if you can really, I don't want to say invoke, but if you can really, that just becomes something that happens subconsciously for you, Mm. right? It will take you a long way. It'll still creep in every now and again, especially when something's on the line, you know, maybe you made it to the finals of a competition or whatever. position and you're like, that little voice tells you to give up. Yeah. I mean, that's just a constant sort of, you know, mental battle that you'll have in jujitsu. But, you know, when you're talking about submissions as well, you know, the if you think about it, it's got from zero to a hundred, as in like, okay, I'm in the submission, but I don't know. Let's say like I'm in an armbar, but I've my hands are connected. I've got a really yep. good defensive grip. Blah 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 blah. And then you've got a hundred, which is you tapping. Right? Obviously, the closer you are to a hundred, the harder it is for you to escape. Okay, so like you said, when people ask like, oh, how do I get out of this position? And I'll have people ask me, how do I get out of like a fully extended armbar? It's like, man, I can show you a technique, but it's maybe going to work like 1% of the time. Yeah. You know, like if you're against an equally skilled opponent. Like a hitchhikers or something. Like yeah, that. like even yeah. hitchhikers. People ask me about that escape all the time. A hitchhikers escape from an armbar. It's a great escape. 
Like it is a great escape, but it is not, there is no magic secret technique that, you know, for some reason no one knows except, you know, your coach and he's going to teach you and you're going to go on and become world champion. Because like, I mean, if there was only one move that worked, right, everyone would do it. And it would neutralize that submission, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so hitchhikers is a great armbar escape. But then again, yeah, you know, it works, whatever, 1% of the time. Sometimes it doesn't. And and a lot of the time it doesn't. And when something rare happens, it gets more attention, right? So, you know, oh, but I saw that dude get it, or that dude did it, or this dude did it. It's like, yeah, and I saw a billion more people submit their opponent with arm bars, right? Yep. So the further in you are, of course, the the difficulty level just increases, goes up yeah. and up and up and up. And this this mental shift that we're talking about, this is something that you've obviously, you know, spoken about at the gym before and you've told me like specifically and directly about, you know, you need to think this way. And it helps to avoid getting in those bad positions. It is also a very common habit. And I, I mean, I'd say for for many people uh, all up and down the 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 belt levels, right? Is to not fight as hard as they should be to avoid being in bad positions. For example, say someone is trying to pass your guard and maybe you can see because, you know, you don't put enough energy in or it's like very taxing and you just want to, you know, get it over and done with and then, and then look at escaping then. But then you're in a worse position that requires way more energy. It's much more uncomfortable. It's more painful, etc. And then you've, you've basically, you need to then invest way more to get back to where you were. Yeah. So why not put the energy up front? Yeah, think about it like this. There's, you know, in in uh, there's lots of times people use this uh, sort of expression. I guess you could you could say whether we could be not even talking about jujitsu, just things in life in general, where people will say like, you know, oh, that's future Adam's problem, or you know, or like, oh man, I'm going to do future Adam a solid. Yeah. In jujitsu, you always want to do future Adam a solid. Right, like you never want to go like oh, I'm getting past. I'm just going to concede. Future Adam can deal with that because no. it is a matter of three seconds till yes. they've consolidated, yep. and you are now present. Future Adam has become all present. All the time, Adam. I I literally I still do this to this day. Even last night, I was doing this a bit where I knew I could have fought more to maintain my guard, but I conceded, and then I'm like stuck, and then you're like, "Fuck, I really yeah. screwed this." Yeah. Now I need to shift into that mindset of this is going to be difficult to get out of. Yeah. I, this is going to take a bit to get out of. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not saying spaz out uncontrollably indefinitely. It's three seconds. Just put for your energy. Po- yeah. Yeah. It's three seconds for position consolidation. So for that three seconds, spaz like you've never spazzed before. Yeah. Channel right? your white belt self. Yeah. <laughs> but then after that you can chill and yeah. realize that like you did get past or yep. you did get swept or whatever. Yeah. And off you go to work. Start working your, you know, your escape, start being, you know, efficient with your energy and et cetera. Speaking of like future Adam and like, man, past Adam's a prick because I have the most monumental pile of dishes at my house right now. <laughs> Just remembered. I thought you were going to refer to your, your, uh, no, I'll, t- I'll <laughs> tell that, but like, fuck, I just like cooked something and burnt the pan and like you can only oh. get, you can only get away with the whole like oh that needs to soak oh that's for, that's the lazy man's so excuse for not no but cleaning. this one needed to because hang on here it's a frying pan that's already on its way out oh and then i cooked fish in it oh and like the skin of the fish just, oh, I was like, 
I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm sitting here right now. The more I think about it, I'm like, you know, I might just throw that. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like let you know, the bad position as to what happened to my throat. We may as well tell that story. It's like very fresh only 12 hours ago. <laughs> so um, we had, I think our first sort of, I don't want to say the word fan because it sounds a bit like, Sounds lame. lame. But yeah, you know, our first listener visit the gym, right? Yeah. So Alex from- Shout out to Alex. Yeah, thanks for coming, Alex. Alex came down to visit. Um, he's from North Australia, like up in, up in Queensland. It's north of Sydney for, for anyone who's not from Australia. It's like a, depending where, right? But you, let's just call it an hour and a half flight. And um, he came down to visit and we trained- and Alex, we didn't have this conversation after our role, but this is for you, my friend. Right. So Alex, big dude, lovely dude, really friendly dude. We had a super fun role. You rolled with him too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really nice for him to come down. And um, however, he did try to Ezekiel trek me in my clothes guard. And Alex is a big dude. I'm a big dude too. We're, we're both around the 100 kilo mark. So there was no sort of um, – you know, oh, he's getting away with this or that because of his weight because I'm we were about the same size and weight. He tried to Ezekiel choke me in my closed guard. Alex, it doesn't work, bro. Right? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's sounding like, it's <laughs> sounding, like a fucking it's, no. it's sounding like it worked, right? <laughs> but if the goal of jujitsu was to give your opponent a raspy voice, then it works. Yeah. Um, but for anyone wondering why it doesn't work, it's because it's two arms, two legs against your two arms, right? Mm. And yes, maybe there's some people listening being like, but I saw this dude do that, whatever. Well, it goes back to when we was talking about the hitchhiker's escape, right? When something is an anomaly and it happens, it gets more traction and it's more interesting, okay? Uh, or just because one person gets away with something, you know, it's like the example when people say like, Oh, but you know, like Steve Jobs didn't finish university. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, like, like you, Steve Jobs, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's like, firstly, didn't he you drop out of Harvard or yeah. something? Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. you know, secondly, you know who else didn't finish uni? That dude, that dude, yeah. that dude, yeah. that dude. Like all those other people that have shit jobs. So, um, yeah. So Alex had me that you know we we're rolling like not that hard. We we're kind of just having a friendly roll. He went for the Ezekiel. And he was crushing my throat pretty hard. Yeah. But, you know, it's not a position that like it wasn't going to put me to sleep or anything. It was painful, but, you know, it was pain that I could take, right? Yeah, my throat's copped a bit of damage for it, but, you know, it's nothing that is worse than when I'm going to scream at the competition on Sunday. You know, so I copped some damage for it, but then I was able just to use my hips and my legs and push him away and there goes the Ezekiel. But, you know, in that time, I won't lie, like it was a huge amount of discomfort on my throat, right? It was actually incredibly uncomfortable. But, you know, at that, at that point in time, it's a bad position. I'm like, okay, well, like I'm just going to dig deep and I know the mechanics of how I'm getting out of this position and I'm, you know, I'm safe here. I'm, you know, I've just need to embrace the, this sucks a bit. And, and then I got out and yeah. off we go and the, and the role continued and, you know, it did come at a cost though. Right. And it brings me to my next point that I want to talk about in training in bad positions, right. Particularly submission, sorry, I should say, and kind of how you should fight them in training and how far you should fight them. 
Kieran, right? <laughs> and your inability to tap. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how many <laughs> How many times have you had sore elbows? From- oh, from armor. Oh, particularly when I was a white belt, man. Fucking like every other week I'd be letting it go to the nth degree, like letting them, like I'd be holding with dear life. And then all of a sudden my grip would just fling out. And, and I like slingshots. Yeah, right? slingshot. And, then, yeah. and it's just not good. Yeah. Yeah. So in training, like, don't forget anything else we've spoken about in this episode in terms of like, in, in, you know, embracing how difficult the challenge is to get out of bad positions. But when you're in submissions, it is not every day in training that you need to, to see how deep you can go and still get out. I don't mean as in like let yourself get in the most fully extended armbar and then try to escape. I mean like you can't always in training pay the physical price and get out. So, for example, like the Ezekiel from last night with Alex, I kind of wanted to make a point to just sort of not make a point. That sounds like I was like, ooh, I'm making a point. But I just wanted to like it doesn't work from that position and, you know, I wanted to reinforce that by getting out the submission. And, you know, if I was just having a casual, you know, la-di-da role, would I have tapped? Yeah, like probably because, you know, in I don't want to pay that price to my throat every day, right? But because it wasn't uh, – Ezekiel's aren't typically a blood choke unless someone's, you know, unless you get on the carotid arteries, it's often a throat choke, right? It's incredibly painful, wasn't going to put me to sleep. And because it was – if he had mount on me, sorry, I should say, like if Alex had mount on me, I would have tapped straight away, right? Because it was a good, solid choke, right? But because of the position it was in, I didn't want to reinforce a bad habit and I was willing to pay that price to get out. But I can't pay that price every day to my throat. And it goes the same for all submissions, right? The 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 price you pay to escape a fully extended armbar is usually some damage to your elbow or your shoulder or something. And from a competitive point of view, I think it is important to sometimes pay that price because you need to know like where the limit is, where the line where is. Where the yeah. absolute limit is, you need right? To float with that line sometimes. <clears throat> um but but I guess when you're talking about the mechanics of what we do in jujitsu, that line, you know, the closer you get to it, the more dangerous the the consequences are. If you're talking about much more uh, lethal submissions like heel hooks or something. Obviously, the the dangers of of that line can become, you know, quite severe injuries to your to your knees. You know, even drilling heel hooks, I'll have sore sore knees, right? Uh, so it's important, I think, from a competitive point of view, to see how 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 far you can push and make it out and pay that price and have a sore elbow for a week or so. But yeah, you just can't, you can't do that all the time, right? It's a price that when, when you, when you do it in the gym and you know what you're capable of, you then know what you're capable of in a competition. So you, as someone who spent a bit of time, you know, looking back at it, probably not tapping early enough in a lot of arm bars, but you've now learned that lesson and you'll carry that forward that if you're in an arm bar, in a competition, I feel like you, you're you always going to tap before it breaks, right? But you're also, you know how far you could push that like 
yeah, I'm going to get out. I'm probably going to have a sore elbow for a couple of weeks, but like I'm going to get out and that sacrifice is worth it to you because, you know, we're using our bodies. You're always going to pay a physical sacrifice, right? Mm. Like a, you know, a boxer might be willing to cop a shot to the ribs because it opens up that, you know, shot to the chin that he's going to do to his opponent, right? So you you need to be willing to test that, but you can't do it all the time in yeah. training, right? Otherwise you're just like held together with tape. Yeah, and then you'll not be able to train as effectively and in the long run it's going to hurt your jiu-jitsu rather than help it. Yeah. But, I mean, I go through that all the time, probably a bit too often. <coughs> might be an ego thing is the whole like bite down on your mouth guard and go. Like say, for example, if I'm in maybe – Bite down on your pillow? Yeah. <laughs> bite the pillow. No, if, if this happens a lot when someone's trying to do some form of rear naked choke but they don't quite have it and they're across the face, you know, they're not really choking but it's very painful – more often than not, I would just bite down on the mouth guard and cop it. And do I need to be copping that like strain and stress across my jaw as consistently as I do? Probably not. But I know that if I'm in a competition, I, I know where that line is now. I know if it's not choking, I can just hold on. Yeah. And, you know, nothing's going to break. But the thing, is, the, the thing is as well that unless that person's – like let's say if it was, uh, you know, a big strong dude, that squeeze across your jaw – could literally be enough to break your jaw, right? I've worried about that a few times, yeah. So unless you feel like your jaw's going to break, mm. right, because I've said this multiple times, if someone puts their face in the way, just choke across their face. That's, if they don't like it, lift their chin, it's their problem. Putting your face in the way is not a defense. Mm. It buys some time, but it's not a defense. Uh, so unless you feel like your jaw's going to break, in training, if, you're, if you tap – let's say I'm on your back and I'm trying to rear naked choke. It's not on very nice and it's a bit on your face and whatever. And yeah, it's painful for you, but you don't feel like you're going to cop sit like, you know, actual proper damage. If you tap, you're not doing me any favors. You're reinforcing a bad habit for me. And yeah. then I'm going years and years and years thinking that my rear naked chokes like boss. And like, even when it's across the face, people tap, blah, blah, blah. Then I go compete and the dude doesn't tap. I've had years of training partners reinforcing my bad habits. I'm not yeah. saying across the face is a bad habit, but I'm saying like, you know, uh, like you're not doing me a favor yeah. by, by. I've actually found this in another scenario. I have like a concrete example of this is the armbar scenario. So a lot of the time in the gym, when, when I'm fighting to get someone's arm, they will tap as they, okay. Well, so yeah, they as know, the grip breaks. Yeah. The grip breaks, they tap. Therefore, I have not had a lot of time being able to finish it at the the full extent because we both know that, yeah, okay, you may, may break the grip, but that doesn't guarantee that you're going to get the sub. That's right. Because you have hitchhikers like we just mentioned. And I've been in that scenario where someone just taps because they don't want to break their arm, which is fine, but they don't let me even get any pressure applied at all. And I, I've get, gotten the habit is of, of once the grip breaks, I essentially let go in training. However, recently when I broke the grip of uh, another training partner of mine, Anthony, who's a blue belt, he went straight into hitchhikers. And I, it was like the first time that someone has hit a full extended hitchhikers. And I was like, holy shit. Because I pretty much let go. Like I didn't let go, let go of his arm. You were like, arm bars don't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, oh, okay, we're done now. But um, I mean, yeah. So Because you had had a bit of like, like bad habits yeah, reinforced. 100% a reinforced bad yeah. habit. So in a comp, would I have like been able to like put the submission on, not crank it or try and snap the, the poor bastard's elbow, but like put it on in a controlled yet efficient manner? I don't know. So that, that's something that you need to consider as well. Yeah, but it is, it is a, 
a fine line because yeah, on the one hand, you need to, you're not doing your partner any favors or yourself favors by tapping too early. But at the same time, you can't you tap you, too late. You can't consequences. Tap, yeah. You yeah. can't tap too late or dig too deep to yeah. get out all the time. Yeah. Like, and yeah, uh, anyone who's trained long enough has been guilty of it where they've escaped a position. And then after they've said, They've, they've been like, oh, my fucking shoulder, yeah, oh, I should have tapped. I, and I, it's like, yeah, you know, it's bad. that's because, you know, now future you is being like, fucking dickhead, you should have tapped. Now I've got a yep. sore shoulder for a few days. But, you know, it is important to, to learn that skill. And, you know, you might think when it's just training, you go, oh, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, well, in the long run, it's worth it because you're still like learning that you've got what it takes, but I guarantee you, if it was a competition and a gold medal match, you'll you'll be saying it was worth it. Like it's yeah. worth that for that having a sore. So long as you're not doing the whole like fucking let the the arm break or whatever, yeah. or like because it is a because it is a full contact combat sport. Yeah. Like you know, show me like a a boxing world champion or a UFC world champion that goes like, oh man, this belt wasn't worth the black eye I got. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be like, man, I'll take 20 black eyes and a yeah. buster and a broken rib and whatever if I become UFC world champion. You yeah. know? And okay, like, you know, well, it depends what the competition is. You're doing some little crappy competition or maybe you're at Worlds. Yeah, it's, you know? not, it's like there's a- there's What's a common, worth it to you? There's a common joke on Reddit that's like basically says- the, the $5 gold medal at your local comp isn't worth breaking your elbow. And I agree with that, like totally. But I, I think I push the boundary a lot more yes. um, with chokes now and like strangles. So much so that I've nearly fucking passed out so many times recently because I let I it, I just, oh yeah. Like there was one in particular, I don't know if anyone noticed. I think I spoke to you about it afterwards. We're doing specific training for, for takedown. Someone had me in a guillotine or something like that. And all I had to do was escape the guillotine to, to win the the specific training, right? And I would have scored two points for the takedown. I was so close to going out that I couldn't actually stand up properly when I got back up. So I was like on my feet, but I was like so about good. to fall over because everything was like I black think I remember that. I was, yeah. I was rubbing my face and you're like, oh, you know, that was, it cost a bit there or like something. It's kind of like a UFC fighter yeah, you who's like being rocked yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. like. Ugh. I was totally Ugh. rocked. I was totally rocked. If, if like I had to go again straight away then, I would have been fucked. And I did go again, obviously, but um, I like sort of, did a little pace around it, stalled. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I nearly like, went out. I nearly, 100% nearly went out. I thought it was going to. Like, yeah, I remember. I think I, yeah, I was so close, like as close as you can get without actually, you know, without, you know, going out, without, you know, without snoring out, yeah. or whatever fucking, yeah. I do that a lot with, um, with, with strangles and chokes. I'll push the boundary because, I mean, it's not good to go out, right? It's yeah. long, You don't want to be doing that every day. But I've I definitely learned where my limit is because I've pushed that boundary so often. When it comes to joints though, I mean, I'm happy to tap a little bit early than I should. If, well, not should, but you know, tap appropriately with, with joints and, and because those things snap very quickly. But with chokes, I mean, I I mean, I like to bite down on the mouth guard and, and go hard. But <laughs> <laughs> you just, it's like, you just like to bite down, bro. Yeah, bro, just bite down. Yeah. No, it's really effective. Like on the bottom of my mouth guard, you can see like the, the, the grooves of where I'm like, just fucking it's, chomp the it's, bastard. It's actually just like, like your teeth have gone through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost. Like yeah. you get out of the choke and your mouth guard's on your bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Just break through that barrier, but it is effective. Yeah. It is definitely effective. Uh, but yeah, it's a, you know, you, you, like I said, you can't do it every day. Otherwise no. you're just way too sore. But I mean, for me, a bit of, Joint soreness, especially in competition, is worth it. I mean, I fought a comp a while ago, quite a while ago now, 
where I actually, you know, tore my LCL oh. in the fight. Yeah, um, this was the – you were doing a knee cut, right? Something like that? No, no. I mean, that's how I did my first knee. Uh, right, but, right. Yeah. But no, I was like – had like a truck hook in and anyway, my, my LCL just went. And and yeah, like I, I knew right at the moment that it went. But, you know, I finished the fight, got the submission, and then I had to go fight the final with the torn LCL. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like <laughs> I knew something was bad with yeah. my knee. And, you know, took the guys back and put hooks in and straight away felt like, nah, my knee can't do that. And anyway, ended up getting the submission again and winning that fight. And, you know, was, you know, was it slightly irresponsible to fight another fight with a torn LCL? Yeah, like probably, but, you know, for me it was worth it, you know, like again, you you look, it is a full contact combat sport. You look at boxers and USC fighters that, you know, the damage that they take after one round and then they go back out there, I wouldn't go back out there, you yeah. know, but for them it's worth it. Yeah. You know, and for me it was worth it. I actually back at Blue Belt fought like when I first did my first knee, like I blew out my meniscus in the semifinal of my weight division fight, which I unfortunately lost, but then went and fought the absolute and had I think three matches in the absolute with a with a blown out knee. So this, this was at Worlds, yeah? No, at Pans. Pans, sorry, yeah. Pans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually didn't want to fight the absolute. And I, yeah, I think yeah. I've told yeah, this story have. before. Yeah. I, Fabio came up was like, hey, I signed you up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah I waited until <laughs> like the registrations had closed. And I was like, oh, like pleaded ignorance. Yeah. Oh, Fabio, I went to register. They closed. I couldn't already register for absolute. He's like, yeah, I already put your name down. Motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. That's what you would do. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably do something similar. But yeah, these I mean, for those who don't know, these little local competitions in in Sydney or whatever, they it's probably money driven. They let whoever fight the absolute mm-hmm. and uh you gotta pay to fight the absolute as well. But in, you know, like IBJJF competitions, fighting the absolute doesn't cost any money and you you have to qualify so to speak you have to make the podium in your weight division to be allowed to fight the absolute and then it doesn't you don't have to fight the absolute you could still just be like no i don't want to and go home yeah but if you want to fight the absolute you first need to make the podium in your weight division and then you can fight the absolute although it's different at black belt at black belt at worlds it's actually uh you've probably seen that the absolute takes place on like the saturday So like at at Worlds, right, absolute takes place on the Saturday before the weight divisions, right, and then all the way up till the – usually I think it used to be all the way up till the final. I think now it's up until the semifinal maybe or I could be wrong. Anyway, you know, they fight the absolute all the way up until, you know, the semifinal, the final, and then – and then the finals or the the final is left until the Sunday. And then on the Sunday you have your weight divisions – Right, and then the absolute finals are the last events to take place because it's like considered uh. the last thing. So it's like, well, how do you qualify to fight the absolute if the absolute takes place before the weight divisions? Yeah, well, at don't. black belt, it's different. You, your, you can have two competitors per team in the absolute. Right. So they need to limit it some somehow, some way. Because if if it if there's no limit, say there's no podium limit then the absolute becomes like the the second attempt for the over 99 guys really 
You know what I mean? It becomes like a oh, second, right. if second talk, heavyweight If you're talking division. at the coloured belts, not yeah, black talking belts. Cover, colored yeah, because a black belt, I'm not actually sure how it's, you know, this might have changed recently. I'm not sure if it's limited to 16 competitors or not. I actually don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a decade ago, there was probably only, you know, like less than six, seven, eight different teams. So mm. it didn't even matter. You're like, oh, well, you can have two per team. So yeah, we're not going to have more than – but yeah. now with the – I actually don't know yeah. right, how, well, how it works. But, yeah, yeah. for the coloured belts, like, yeah, you're, you're right. Absolute could just be that second attempt for, like, the bigger dudes. Which on local comps normally it is. Like normally the big – oh, not normally, but what I've seen more often than not, the big dudes go their weight division and then absolute. Yeah. And so you're you're fighting against the bigger dudes. Doesn't yeah. mean you're gonna lose though. Don't don't get in your head that you're gonna fucking lose. No. Like no, not match. necessarily. But I will say, like you know, there's sometimes you hear people say, "Oh, jujitsu is like designed for the smaller person to beat the bigger person." Yeah. It's like, yeah, but that's like a self defense attitude. Like yeah. self defense is always designed to work against someone who doesn't know what's up, yeah. right? And yeah, jujitsu definitely, like that, yeah. the smaller dude can beat the bigger dude if he doesn't know if he doesn't train jujitsu, a hundred percent. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whereas something you know, like a fifty kilo boxer against a hundred kilo guy who doesn't know how to box. I mean, could the 50 kilo go, but beat him in a fight? Maybe, but it's like not as sort of designed for the smaller guy to beat the bigger guy, whereas jujitsu is. But obviously when you have people who both train, if they're both equally skilled, blah, blah, blah. And the only differentiating factor is their weight. Well, that's why we have weight divisions. And at the professional black belt level, usually, I don't the heavyweight. I think in the absolute division, yeah. yeah, I don't think I can't remember the last time someone lighter than a heavyweight won. Like it's yeah. you know, heavyweight or super heavy guys that tend you to win. get through the smaller guys and that, that could pose a different challenge for you. It can, but yeah. you know, a lot of the smaller, smaller guys, like they won't even register. Yeah. You know, like Mikey Musameshi is an exception because he was challenging himself. But yeah. like, you know, usually like you don't really see like lightweights like Lucas Lepre or those sort of guys. The risk of even reg- high. That's right. Yeah. They don't even register for the absolute. I've never done absolute sp- in no gi. <laughs> Yeah, for that right. reason. Well, yeah, and especially like you got to look at the professional level when it's the day before your weight division. If you're a lightweight or a featherweight, like your chance of winning absolute and your chance of injury against a guy who is literally twice your body weight and it's, well, and it's like also a black you. belt. You know, like they're trying to finish it. They, they don't want to right. lose to, to someone that's like 40 kilos lighter than yeah. them. So you got so many different factors going into The cost into it. it can play on you to then fight your weight division the next day, yeah. right, is is extreme. But, yeah, it doesn't mean just big fat guys win it. Like it's guys like Pushesha, yeah. Nicholas Marigali. Like these are 100 kilo plus guys, but they're like Tall, they're not frames. fat dudes. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, a little bit off topic, but still, still very still relevant. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we'll leave it there. The, the overall. I mean, actually, a slightly shorter episode, but that's mm. all right. Uh, rest my, your throat. <laughs> rest, rest my throat. <laughs> the, you know, <laughs> it's been been a bit of a recurring thing of just like, you know, telling people to toughen, toughen up, up and suck no, it up. But and- I mean, yeah, it's really the the I wanted to get across the importance of understanding that it is always hard, and that's okay. You know, failed attempts doesn't mean you can't escape. You know, you just have to try again, right? They, they like we spoke about. They might be thinking, "Holy fuck! I only just managed to hold him down. I'm not, yeah. If he does that again, he's definitely getting out." Yeah. You know? So you don't know what they're thinking, right? And yeah. just don't get into that whole like, "Well, I, I, you know, it doesn't work. I learned the technique and I tried it once. It didn't work." 
No, man. And especially when you're talking about submissions, the further in you are, the harder it is to escape. Doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's very unlikely. And I find because of the nature of this sport, because of the nature of jiu-jitsu, it's very, you know, as we kept saying throughout this episode, we've said so many times, it's a full contact combat sport. Mindset is a huge part of your performance. Yeah. So if you can use some of these mindset tools and like have the appropriate mindset going in and out of different positions, different scenarios, it can be the catalyst between you escaping and not simply how you think about the position. hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway. All right. This has been Barry White. Uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>